Several weeks ago, over dinner at my home, I was sharing with my family about some of the lineup, what was going to happen as our pastors on sabbatical, and a name came up, uh, Dr. Charles Ware, who I had not had the privilege until this morning to meet, but my 12-year-old said, oh, dad, you are going to love this guy, and so uh, I was not disappointed, Dr. Ware uh, shared in the first service, and I had the privilege of uh, almost wanting to jump over the pew or the chairs in front of me uh, because of the fire that he lit under me, and I appreciate it. If you don't know Dr. Ware, there's more information in your bulletin. You can see a brief bio, uh, his pedigree, if you will. He is the president of Crossroads Bible College. Uh, out of Indianapolis, and he is uh, an author and speaker, and he travels all over to do that. He also serves on the Biblical Counseling Coalition uh, with our own Ken Long, and uh, Dr. Ware's uh, institution uh, is one of, I don't, know, I don't know of any other institution that offers a degree in Biblical Counseling, and so uh, he is, uh, uh, he loves Jesus. He is uh, passionate about uh, racial reconciliation. and God uses him in mighty ways to speak to every person, no matter where they are. Children, uh, young adults, and aging adults, God is using him. And so we are blessed to have him with us today. And so I'd like uh, Grace Church, put your hands together and welcome Dr. Ware. Thank you, Grace. Indeed, it is a privilege to be here, and I love to hear that I got fans. Twelve years old, amen. Praise God. Uh, I am excited to be here. Uh, August, uh, Sharon and I celebrate our 41st anniversary, so I'm looking forward to that one. Amen. We, are, we have six children, two biologic, uh, four biological, two adopted. Uh, God has blessed us. got two grandkids now. The the youngest is uh, six months, and uh, yesterday he and the family was over to the house, and I had him in a little rocking chair. You know, I was doing a good job. I, hard to get out of that chair and come over here, but I'm here now. Well, praise God. We're delighted, delighted to be here. God has been very good uh, to us. Uh, Crossroads Bible College, our mission statement is that we're training Christian leaders to reach a multi-ethnic urban world for Christ. So multi-ethnic urban is a real emphasis for us there at the college. We have uh, uh, accelerated type degrees. You come one night a week for four hours, five weeks. You get three credit hours one week off and keep doing that all year long. Keep up with a traditional student's pace. We also have online uh, majors, one of which is biblical counseling. And uh, we're excited that Dr. Robert Kellerman, who was the founding director of um, Biblical Counseling Coalition, is uh, moving halftime in that position on September 1st, and he will become part of our Crossroads Bible College staff, overseeing our Biblical Counseling uh, Department, amongst other things. So I am encouraged with that and encourage you, if you're interested in any of this, Want to get farther down, get back there, talk to Nora Johnson. She's here at book table in the back. She can tell you all about the college. She, she's our, what I call our concierge. She'll treat you with care. And um, <clears throat> you get back there, and I've got some, some, some materials, a couple of books and DVDs and things that 
trust that God will bless you with. But let me encourage you to get a hold of those things and uh, may God use them in your life. Now, I've been asked to speak on the subject of reconciliation rooted in redemption and guided by revelation. And my proposition is that Christianity is the natural or we might say supernatural environment in which leaders are to be produced who can effectively articulate and model the mind of God concerning ethnic cultural diversity within an ever-increasing, diverse, but still segregated society. I'm excited about the fact that at Crossroads Bible College, we have an African-American female professor, we have an Asian-American female professor, we have an African-American male professor, we have a bilingual Latino uh, professor, we have uh, an Assyrian. I told him Assyria no longer exists, but he reminds me they are a people without a country. So I said, all right, I got you, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And um, then we got uh, some white professors, but God is great, great staff there. They were telling me just last Wednesday, we were going over the last academic year and all that God did for the college, and, and, and they were making it known. We like one another. We like coming to work. We love it here. It's great. I say, well, it might not always be that way, so let's hang on to Jesus. But anyway, <laughs> we, we enjoy the environment we have. It is a great place to, to work and serve and encourage you to partake of what we have to give. Now, I put this thing down here. Why Bible College? Back in the day, a guy wrote a thing about the Bible Institute, which is similar to the Bible College. And he asked the question, is the day of the Bible College, uh, Bible College or Institute dead? And um, so I want to give you some of his reasons, which I think are some good reasons for the Bible College, and then transition into the message this morning. The Bible Institute, or college if you want to say that, has a commitment to the authority of Scripture. That commitment is reflected in the quality and quantity of Bible courses in the curriculum. Secondly, the Bible College or Institute has a commitment to the study of the Bible which is characterized not by relating it to the cultural milieu or by current theological discussions about the text, but by the actual study of the text itself. Third, the Bible Institute has a commitment to the transmission of a recognized body of truth as opposed to the discovery of new truth. Next, the Bible Institute of Bible College has a commitment to the discovery of the practical and spiritual import of the Bible as well as its exegetical meaning. The Bible Institute has a commitment to the enrichment of the student's spiritual life. The Bible Institute of Bible College has a commitment to provide design and direction for life. A past president from Northern Baptist Bible College was right when he wrote, I believe the Bible colleges are needed now more than ever. They can give clear direction and absolute answers to a needy world. One of the areas of life where direction and absolute answers are desperately needed is in the arena of multiculturalism, pluralism, tolerance, and racial reconciliation. Some have rightly observed the weakness of the secular humanistic approach. That is a lack of biblical morality. In our book, One Race, One Blood, that I wrote with Ken Ham, a quote in the introduction says, ideas are like seeds. They might seem small. They might seem insignificant. They might even go unnoticed by all except those who hold them in the moment. But let there be no doubt, both ideas and seeds are incredibly powerful. From seeds dropped in fertile ground grow to mighty oaks, 
that anchor the land, altering the course of the rivers and wind. And from ideas planted in the fertile soil of a human mind grow the thoughts and convictions of mankind, altering the course of history for the world and the individual. And then I have this to say, the seed of the word of God planted in the fertile good soil of the minds of the people of God will bring forth fruit demonstrating the presence and plan of God, advancing the kingdom of God in history resulting in the glory of God. That is why I rather talk about grace versus race relations. It was March of 1968. 1968 was an interesting year. The year Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. The year Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. It was in March of 1968. On a Monday night, two white men came to my house. One of them I knew. The other one I I didn't know at all. He was new in the area. But they asked me a question. Where would I go if I died? And I told them if God was just, I'd go to hell because I'd broken my own curve. And I knew that if he was a just God, I'd sin against him and headed to hell. But they said, have you ever heard that you can know you're going to heaven? I said, I heard it when I was in ninth grade, but I don't believe it. They said, do you believe the Bible? I said, I certainly do. They came into my house, into my living room, took me through the Romans road, showed me how that all had sinned and come short of the glory of God, that the wages of sin was death, but the gift of God was eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish for the everlasting life. And there on a Monday night between 6 and 7 o'clock in my living room, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I was so excited. Jesus just literally transformed my life. And I got baptized. I was the first black person in that church. My mama said, boy, you look like a fly in a bowl of milk. I said, I don't write. I said, I said, but they got the Bible there, mom. They got the Bible. I want it, you know, and besides, I'm going to be a drop of chocolate. I'm going to color these people over time. But, <clears throat> but I've been going to that church soaking up the Word of God. Anywhere the Word of God was, I wanted to be there. I tried to get in the latest missionary society, but they wouldn't let me in. But I said, you got Bible? Count me in. You know what I mean? But, uh, but God, God literally radically changed my life. It was during that process that we began to witness to other young people in my high school. I See, I'd served on the student council as a freshman. I was president of my class as a sophomore, vice president of student council as a junior, president of student council as a senior, played three varsity sports, lettered in three varsity sports. It was a small town uh, up in Williamson, New York. But, uh, but, but, but I began to witness and get out. And, and one young man made a profession of faith. Uh, 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 he was a great athlete. He was a, he was a, he was a sophomore and, and, and I was a, a, a senior, but he, he was exceptionally good at basketball. And, and, and I got him to go to the, to, to the youth rallies and, and youth camp. And, and while we we're at youth camp, all these girls was floundering around him because he was an outstanding athlete. And, and, and unbeknownst to me, the, the, the counselor pulled him aside, uh, one of the leaders at the, at the camp, and, and he told him, they said, you, you, you got to stop sitting next to these white girls. You, 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 you need to keep your distance, you, you know, so on and so forth. And so he came to me with that. He's like, what's up with this, man? I said, man, I don't know, dude. We didn't come here for women. Forget it. Just, just get Jesus. Just get Jesus. We'll be all right. And, um, and um, so that's the way I, I believe my, my concept was, hey, if God didn't want you together, you shouldn't be together anyway. I ain't following in the world. I mean, the 60s was a great time of change, but I'd come to Christ. And, and so I went on, and, and this, this young man said to me, he, 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 after making a profession of faith in Christ himself, that he felt God wanted him to go to Bible college. He was going to come to Bible college with me. We were going to play basketball together. And then over that summer, 
something happened our senior year over the summer, and I went to talk to him, and he began to tell me, I'm not going to Bible college. Christians are racist. The black power, a couple of black power advocates had gotten a hold of him, and they began to point out to him the racism in America and the racism in the church. And he related back to the time. Well, they didn't want me to sit next to the white girl, but the white girls were really sitting next to me. I wasn't seeking them. They were seeking me. And, and all this stuff. So he, he decided not to go to Bible college, and he went to a secular university. He said, I'm going to play professional sports. Well, he was in a secular university one month, broke his foot, couldn't play basketball, dropped out of college. And um, then he went to a big city and got involved in drugs and got involved with a woman, beat her up. She pressed charges, put him in jail. A friend of mine called me in. I was away at college and said, you know, you need to go see him. He'll listen to you. He respects you. And I thought, man, I, I don't have a car. That's a long drive. I can't go there. So I wrote him a letter. I don't know if he ever got the letter because my other friend called me back after a while and he says, man, did you hear what happened? I said, no. He said, man, it's sad. He said, man, Lynn got out of prison. Thirteen days. He married a woman. They got an argument. Had a gun. Shot. And killed. He's only about 18, 19 years of age. And I had a lot of thoughts in my mind what if what if what if what if I would have made that trip and saw him what if when he went to that camp with me he wouldn't have been singled out because of his color but accepted as a person of Christ as a child of God I, I went on all these what ifs and so I begin to I, be, I begin to think but, but 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 Christians tell me we should be segregated the, 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 the interracial marriage is wrong so I began to study the scriptures and I, as I studied the scriptures in college I came to the conclusion that um, God sees saved and unsaved people and that the church is to be one. And I wrote my first book entitled Prejudice and the People of God in honor of this young man, my friend, just wondering, would it have been different? I don't know if it would have been different, but I was just wondering that. And so this topic is somewhat personal, and I'm passionate about it. But as I've gone and grown through the years, I come to the conclusion of, of what this text says, and that's what that book was about. Reconciliation amongst God's people is, redu- is, is rooted in the redemption of Jesus Christ who came and died for sinners. He was buried and rose again. And those who repent of their sins and believe in him, we are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Reconciliation rooted in redemption and then guided by revelation. We don't listen to the secular press that tell us how we relate to one another. We don't listen to cultural clashes, but we look at the word of God as it directs the people of God to come together as the family of God and demonstrate to a look to a watching world that we are the people of God brothers and sisters because of the cross that is the message I bring to you amen so we want to work through this this morning from the text and I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 2 to start off with and 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 first of all hit this concept that um, we are reconciled by redemption, that is, Christ has paid a price to his death, burial, and resurrection to save us from our sins and bring us into a relationship with himself. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, after going through Ephesians 1, talking about predestination, foreknowledge, and 
in Christ and goodness and the grace and kindness of God that has saved us and redeemed us. In chapter 2, talking about our death and trespasses and sins and um, how that we're saved by grace and that not of ourselves, not of works as any man should boast and how that we are a part of uh, his workmanship. And then in uh, verse 11, he says, Therefore remember that you, speaking to the Gentiles now, once Gentiles in the flesh, and remember in the scriptures, you're either Jews or Gentiles, every other culture group, every other racial group, if you want to use that term, is considered Gentiles if they're not Jews. So it says, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were, who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Uh, 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 listen, beloved, salvation is in God. We are saved by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand, we all got something coming. It's called sin. We all come from Adam and Eve. We're all sinners. I don't care about your color, whatever it is. I like to tell people, well, this race, that race, these people did this, these people did that. I said, listen, you don't have to argue. There's enough sin to go around for everybody. We all get a little bit of it, you see, because we all go back to Adam and Eve. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Listen, if you don't believe that, you got problems. See, see, I was, I was on, a, on a talk show once in in. Uh, in, uh, in uh, that was, Virgin- that was Virginia, yeah, West Virginia, that's where it was. I was talking to him in West Virginia, so this guy calls in live, and um, he says to the host, he wouldn't even talk to me. The host told me later he was a white Aryan. He wouldn't talk to me. He said, we know where white people came from. White people came from Adam. We don't even know where black people came from. So what do your guests got to say about that? I said, well, the only thing I got to say about that, Romans 5, 12 makes it explicitly clear. Wherefore, it's by one man. That one man was Adam. Wherefore, it's by one man sin entered the world and all of sin and it, 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 because they were born from Adam. If only white people came from Adam, then only white people are sinners, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> got that. But the reality is we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and we all have a universal problem. It's called sin. We have a universal solution. His name is Jesus Christ. He, he was born, he was sinless. He died on the cross to forgive my sin, forgive your sin, that he might redeem us. Now, now, now listen, redemption, there's a price been paid for us called a death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and you and I just need to keep that. How are we, how we brought near? How are we saved? It's, by, it's not my culture. It's not my color. It's not my education. It's not my economics. I am saved as a wretched sinner in need of a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. That's how we get saved, beloved. It doesn't really matter where, 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 where you came from. It's, it's him. It's Jesus. It, it's 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 in him that we are saved and he's our only hope that is the blood of christ we've been brought near by him i also want you to note also down here that that um, christ is our peace the bible says in verse 14 for he himself that is jesus christ is our peace that is he's actually reconciled us he's broken down the hostility is our peace who has made both one that is jew and gentile when you come to christ you're one and has broken down the middle wall of 
of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances, as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting uh, to death the enmity. Listen, you, as, ch- as the church, as believers, we don't seek to make peace between racial and ethnic groups. We seek to maintain it. Peace was created at the cross. See, it kind of reminds me, I, was, I, am, I got my little 2012 Impella, and uh, I got my little car, and I'm driving around, and, and I'm looking, man, you know, I wish I had one of them GPSs, you know, in the radio, and I wish I had a radio that I could listen to my phone through. And more than anything else, I want a remote starter. Especially after this winter. I kept going out there looking at my car and I was <laughs> and I walk out there frozen to death waiting on that thing. Didn't warm up until I got home. But anyway. <laughs> have the student, he's a graduate, his father owns a stereo place, so I already got me off six up, gave me a presidential uh, special, cut the price on it. Put my little GPS radio in there, hooked it up to my phone. He called me about 2 o'clock, said he needed my call all day. He called me about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. He said, Dr. Ware, uh, we're going to put your remote start in. <laughs> I'm sorry, I should have looked, but I took your word. Do you realize that you have a factory installed remote starter? <laughs> I said, shut up. <laughs> you, you mean I went through this whole winter? I said, where is it? He said, well, let's look on your key bob. You see that little half moon thing there? You push that, that'll start your car. <laughs> I said, you got to be kidding me, dude. I said, I just went through the worst winter Indianapolis had. And I had a remote start all the time. But I told him, that's like people tearing for the Holy Ghost. You got him when you got saved. You don't have to wait on him to come. Likewise, you don't have to try to make peace. It's already been made. It's been made at the cross. We don't make it. We maintain it. It's grace. It's the grace of God. It's that fertile ground, that the grace of God. We don't deserve it. We can't, we can't earn it. We can't work for it. But God has provided it through the Lord Jesus Christ and the cross. He has, through himself, he has made peace. He has reconciled us. Boy, what a wonderful thought that is if we get a hold of that as believers. And all we need to do is try to maintain it. Now, I, I want you to note that also that through Christ we have equal access to the Father. The, the Bible says in, in verse 17 and 18, And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who are near. For through him, that's Christ, we both, that's Jew and Gentile, who are saved, born again, redeemed, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Man, I love that. I got direct access to, I got the red line, y'all. He'll pick it up anytime I come through the blood. Now, I like this because a lot of black people keep telling me about the, the man, the man, the man. They talk about the white man. The white man keeps us from doing this. The white man keeps us from doing that. I'm going to forget the man. Go to God. I'm so glad when I pray, there ain't no angel up there screening God's calls. No, I'll let him through. He's black. Oh, no, 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 no. He's white. Don't, don't, oh, no, 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 no. He don't want to be black. No, I come through the blood. 
And not only is I'm blood-bought, I got access face-to-face with the living God. And I can get a hold of God and ask him to do what no human being can do for me. We got equal access. We are the body of Christ. And we need to labor together for the glory of God. I want you to note also in this particular text, not only do we have equal access and Christians need to make more use of that, but I want you to note that we're fellow citizens. Ephesians 2 and um, verse 19 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Fellow, you know, I love America. I fight for America. But I want to tell you something. I love my heavenly citizenship better. And I keep in my mind that you know God is saving people, some from Afghanistan, some from Iraq, some from Ukraine, some from Russia, anywhere around the world. God is saving people. And one day, one one sweet day, we're all going to be in that place where there are no more wars and, and fightings and divisions and all that stuff. We will be fellow citizens of heaven. I look forward to that great, wonderful day. Listen, listen, listen. God. God has, God has you and I as pilgrims and strangers in this present earth. We look for a far better country. And, and, and by the way, I like, I, like, I like to tell our students and, and people, you know what? Some of us are going to get to heaven and be surprised. You ever get to heaven? Some, some people go to heaven and go, where did you come from? I didn't see your people in my church. I didn't know y'all were getting saved. Oh, I want you to get a foretaste of heaven on earth. So when you get up there, you say, oh, man, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people, God has pulled himself out of remnant for his own glory. I'm excited about heaven. Amen. Glory. Get excited about Jesus. Let me get on. Uh, We are fellow citizens, and we are family. We are family. You know what verse 19 says? Not only fellow citizens, but but, but he says that... um, that we are members of the household of God. That means we're family. We're related. <laughs> oh, man. You know, family have problems sometimes. I understand. You, you know, and, and people like to talk about we're so different. But, you, but brother, well, you don't understand. Black folks like this food, and they like this smell, and they like this music, and they like that. And white folks like this, and then you got red folks, and you got yellow folks. And we, we're just so different. We can't, we, can, we, we can't get along. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The most two different people on planet Earth are women and men. <laughs> and God told them to get married. Bless God. Let me tell you, we are family because we've been bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and bought into the family of God. I preached a message like this in Ohio several years ago, and, and I was shaking hands with people, and this guy came up, white fellow, about 300 pounds. That dude was bigger than a rock. He come, he come up, he looked at me, he said, brother, I was a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Now I'm saved. Let's hug. I mean, I, I did everything I could to get my hands around him. But you know what? That's the power of the cross. I just pray don't backslide. You know what I mean? But, um, but, 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 but listen, you and, I, you and I need to rejoice in the, in the fact we may have different cultural backgrounds, but our individual stories are testimonies of the grace of God. And he's brought us together, and we enrich one another, and we're family. And we don't walk out on our families. We're going to stay with our family. We're going to work through, through things because it's all by redemption, the redemption of Christ. He has created this. And then, then I want you to know 
also we are the temple of God. Uh, we're, we're God's dwelling place. The Bible says in verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That holy temple in the Lord is where God dwells, as verse 22 says, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Listen, this building is not where God dwells. This is just brick and mortar. When you leave, God leaves. When you're in the presence of another Christian, you're in the presence of God. That individual has been saved by God and dwelt by the Spirit of God. And when you look into their eyes, you're looking in the eyes of another. I don't care what color they are. I don't care what their background is. I don't care what education, whether they're athletic or nerd. It doesn't really matter. If they've been born again and dwelt by the Spirit of God, that is the dwelling place of God. He dwells in his people. Now, that's good company. Sometimes people wonder, who do you meet? You met this athlete? You met that athlete? Blah, 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 blah. The greatest people you ever meet are those who've been saved by the grace of God. I love to talk about Jesus. I, one time I preached somewhere several years ago when Michael Jordan was on the scene. Michael Jordan had, um, I don't know, a second retirement or something like that. I forgot what it was. But, but this, this little kid came up to me and he like, huh, did you see Michael Jordan last night? He went up for a shot, man. He put the ball in his hand. He put the ball in his hand. He put the ball back in his hand. He shot. He made the shot. I mean, six seconds. He was hanging for six seconds. I said, boy, get a life. Jesus Christ went up over 2,000 years ago. He ain't come down yet. That's hang time. <laughs> Let me tell you. See, you, 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 you just got to keep it. When you're in the presence of God, you're in the presence of some pretty awesome people because they've been saved. And they're the dwelling place of God. So I love to talk about God. I love to talk about his people. I love to fellowship with his people because that's awesome. Amen. Now, reconciliation is rooted in redemption. That is, we have been reconciled by the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I are part of the family of God. Now, I want you to look here. And understand that reconciliation is rooted in redemption. That is, in Christ we have peace. We've been brought into the family of God. We're the dwelling place of God, so on and so forth. But reconciliation is guided by revelation. That is, guided by the Word of God. Our relationships as believers should be determined not by our likes, dislikes, cultural norms, and fads, but our relationship should be determined by the clear properly interpreted word of God. Some people have said to me, why are you talking about all this diversity stuff? I mean, that's just a fad. You're just jumping on the fad. I don't care about fads. I care about scripture. And I want you to understand that this whole idea of the body of Christ being one, as we've already looked at in Ephesians 2, but it was given by revelation to Paul. Therefore, it is the brainchild of God. In Ephesians chapter 3, the Bible says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation, that is, it came from God, he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, 
you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages were, made, were not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. What is the mystery? That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. That's a mystery hidden, but by revelation, God says we're one. Now, one of the things you need to understand, and if, and if some of you don't want to take a bunch of courses at the college, they're not looking for a degree, one course I would recommend you take even online called Culture, Race, and the Church. I helped create that course with a white professor. But one of the reasons I wanted to create that course because we wanted to go back through the history of the church, especially in America. And we discover some of our great theologians misinterpreted texts of the Scripture, misapplied texts of the Scripture, and misdirected the church when it comes to these areas. Things like, well, the curse of Ham and black people are cursed. Things like, well, God wants us segregated, so he's against interracial marriage. Uh, things like civil rights, uh, blacks don't deserve that in this country, so on and so forth. I mean, we, we, we go back and we study some of, that, some of that stuff, and then we want to free the church up from its past failures by giving them not that society has changed and we're gone, but, but give them this. Proper interpretation of the text with a proper application of the text with a proper direction of the text will push us to demonstrate that we are the body of Christ by our love one for another. We're one body. And, 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 and that I encourage people to get it. This is God's brainchild. I didn't come up with it. It's not my idea. It's God's idea. I don't create the message. I simply communicate it. That's all I do. That's the way we, we want to just hold on to the Bible. Then I want you to note that re- racial reconciliation is, is a ministry of the church. It's a ministry of the church. It's a brainchild of God, but it's a ministry of the church. In, 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 in verse 7 of chapter 3, it says, Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, which given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach amongst the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all to see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of ages has been hidden in, uh, in God who created all things through Christ Jesus. To this intent now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to principalities, powers, and heavenly places, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, t- two things there. First of all, this is a ministry of the church. God says it. New Testament church, this is your ministry. Reconcile, Jew and Gentile, because of the cross. And, and, and then he says, this is a manifestation of the wisdom of God. It's God's idea, and it's a manifestation of God's wisdom. Some people said it wasn't wise as a nightmare. No, it's wise. It's God's wisdom. You and I need to get, 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 get used to that and get a hold of that and, and live that out for God's glory. Now, if somebody want to study these texts I've got down here for reconciliation was a major New Testament issue. Some people talk about it like it's a fad or something new. No, it was a major in the New Testament. And, 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 and the Bible dreams of that day or paints the picture of that day when we'll stand before heaven from every tribe and every tongue and every nation and, 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 and culture. And we're, we're going to stand there as a redeemed ones, redeemed by the blood of Christ, bought together as the body of Christ and ultimately in our new home 
in heaven. I want to encourage you with that. And then I want to just wrap up with this color me love. Color me love. Color me love. You know, this whole discussion, Ken Ham's right. There's only one race. That's the human race. But yet our culture has been built around this concept of race and culture. And really, when you think about it, it doesn't even have a real biological foundation, especially in our country. Biologically, there's been so many so-called intermixed marriages, all of whatever you want to call them. How do, how, do, do you know why the president of the United States is considered African-American or black? I mean, his mother was white. So why would he be African-American? Why would, why would we as a culture basically have him disown part of his family in order to fit into a grid that we, pushed, that we put him in? i tell you why. The Supreme Court of the United States ruled that one drop of blood makes you black. It was trying to protect the white, the white bloodstream. So anybody, any mixture of blood with a white person, one drop makes you black. So it was a racist society that has described us in this way. It's not biologically true. And in the, pres- in the case of the President of the United States, even this immediate family, it's not true. But we've taken that designation and we've used it to separate and divide us. Sometimes I meet people and they, they, you know, they're, they're, really scuffed, they're really struggling with this whole race issue. And they meet me and they feel like they can talk to me. One gal asked me once, she said, uh, we got uh, two friends, they're Christians. He's black, she's white. And they're dating. I don't, I don't know what to say to them. I mean, when I grew up, my mama said, you don't see a blue jay and a red bird hanging out together, do you? She said, what do you say? I said, I don't know nothing about birds, honey. I said, but, but I do know this, that it's, that, it's, that it's Christians, they're human beings. They're saved and lost. Saved and lost shouldn't be getting married. Saved and saved, hey, I'm open. And, and don't tell me their culture is I know their culture is You need to talk about that, but you talk about that like culture is color-coded. I'll tell you, a black person who grows up in the inner city of New York City and a black person who grows on a farm in in Iowa have a different culture. That's culture. But at any rate, color me love. People say, what, 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 just call me brother. If you're a Christian, just call me brother. Get me, be sure you get me in the family, y'all. Get me in the family. I'm fine with that. And, and, and what you and I have got, have got to learn, color me love. Jesus, G- oh man. The greatest commandment is simply this. Jesus said the great, greatest commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. The second likened to it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If we want to be the church of Jesus Christ, if we want to uh, demonstrate before a watching world, uh, one of the greatest things that we can put down is this whole concept that we love one another. 
Uh, it's one of the identifying marks to the world that we are disciples of Christ. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. By the shingle that you put in front of your church, no. By the cross you hang around your neck, no. By the Bible you told under your arm, no. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. In that you have love one for another. When a watching world watch Christians from different backgrounds, ethnically, economically, uh, 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 culturally, all that, and see us loving one another and walking together in the unity of Christ, then they will say these people are different. That is the church of Jesus Christ. One of the identifying marks that we are a child of God. The Bible says, if you, if, 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 how can you love God when you can't love your brother whom you see? If you don't love the brother whom you see, you're not born of God. And, and we need to get, come to grips with that. Love, love is really obedience to God, to God's word. We just need to figure out what God's word says and do it. Now, let me, let me wrap us up with a few things like this. On this, how then shall we live? Oh, I've had people, I preach this message, and, and somebody catch me at the door, and they'll say, you believe that? What? That's the Bible joke. Yeah, I believe it. You, 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 you don't know anywhere it's working? Well, even if it wasn't working, it's still true. But I want to tell you something. As you and I make it work, we increase their belief. Here's some things that you can do. Number one, you need to pray. Pray for God to, 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 to give you that love and get you rooted in that love and, and bring these relationships together by the love of Christ. Ephesians 3, the prayer in verse 14 through 21 ends with now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And some people pray that over sickness. God, heal, heal this cancer. You can do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think. Financially, God, turn me around because you can do exceedingly. But that is in the context of Jew and Gentile living together together as one do we believe in that kind of power in um, 2004 I was in Thailand on Lausanne's conference and um, we had study groups my groups had about 48 people in it and we were studying the subject of racism tribalism caste system all these isms split the world And 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 the issue was is the gospel powerful enough to penetrate these cultures and bring reconciliation? I mean, we had an, an Israeli and a Palestinian. We had a Hutu and a Tutsi. We had all these. And I never forget talking through this as we get to know one another and hear one another's story. One guy made the statement, the gospel of the West is too weak to help us. Now, you think about that one. Now, you know what's going on with Hamas in Israel right now, save Palestinians, save Israeli. It takes the supernatural power of God to bring them together in peace. We need to pray for that. We need to allow the divine eye salve of the word of God to help us to see more clearly God's grace in our potential relationship. It's grace, not race. Don't let the television, don't let the Clips, don't let the stereotypes, don't let them define to you what other people are. Get to know them personally and get to know their story. And don't get angry. Don't walk away, but stay there. Walk through it. Weep through it. Pray through it. Love one another through it by the grace of God. Three, do not allow past sins to enslave, paralyze, and divide, but rather through grace we must seek to reconcile our relationships as God has already established it, so we want to maintain them.
Then four, let's talk. Let's get to know uh, someone from a different culture. Uh, let's sit down on coffee. Let's sit down in our house. Let's go back into their life. Let's, let's dig it up. Let's talk about it and let's be transformed. Now, this can be hard. I spoke at a church, and after I spoke on a subject similar to this, a lady came out and shook my hand, an elderly lady. The pastor said, I don't, I don't really know what to do. He said, see that lady? I preached and told her what we want to do in our church. We want other people to come in. She said, he said, she said, son, I was here in the 1960s for the Chicago riots. I saw black people kill a white man. You're you telling me you want them in our church? He said, I don't know what to do. I said, here's what you do. Asked her, has she ever heard of a white person killing a white person? I said, you tell her her issue is murder, not the color of the skin. And when people are redeemed by the blood of Christ, white people sin and need to be saved. Black people sin and need to be saved. We all sin and need to be saved. If we could sit down and hear one another's story and don't walk away, don't get mad, but stay there, listen, learn, understand. And thank God for his grace that's brought him through. Let's be the bright, shining light on the hill. Didn't have time to get into it, but February 1998, my son Matt ran into a wall, broke his snake, became a quadriplegic. One of the books at my table is called Another Kind of Courage, God's Design for Fathers of Families Affected by Disability. I talk in there, I got about three pages in it, I talk in there how the body of Christ from all ethnic backgrounds came together to care for my family when he was hurt. It's a beautiful testimony of God's family. Conclusion. The church needs to communicate and model racial reconciliation rooted in redemption and guided by revelation. Biblical convictions in these areas can best be disseminated through the churches by well-taught leadership. People understand the scriptures, teach and live it. Consider Crossroads Bible College for a degree or course. Take at least race, culture, and church. But grace made a Cincinnati area be saying that church has done them possible. They have brought people together with a moral foundation on biblical basis and it testifies that they are the people of God. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your people. God, how I pray for this church. I thank you for a church that's built on the word of God from the pulpit to the pew. They're counseling and everything saturated with the word of God. Thank you that they're willing to tackle the tough issues, tough for the world, but not too tough for the cross. Would you continue to encourage them and grow them and use them for your glory? In Christ's name I pray, amen.